Good morning, church. Thank you so much for being part of our online worship assembly this morning. Before I jump into this morning's lesson, I just want to remind us that we are still brighter together. I know that during this time, we haven't been able to express or experience our togetherness in the same way, but we're still together. Even online, we're still together. And so my encouragement for every single member here at McDermott Road, or even if you're not a member at McDermott Road and you're part of the larger body of Christ, find a way this week to express and to experience togetherness, even if that means sending somebody a text and, and letting them know that you're, you're praying for them and that you love them and that you care about them. Ask them how they're doing or send somebody a card or make a phone call or make a socially distant visit, whatever it takes to experience and to express togetherness because we are, we are brighter together. We make a bigger impact in the world and we shine brighter for the Lord when we know and when we embrace our togetherness. So please don't let our current situation and our current distance let us forget that we really are together. We are together in prayer. We are together in spirit. We are together in our drive in, as Bentley said in our communion focus this morning, in our resolve to do the will of God. This, this morning's lesson and this series this month is all about the idea that when you're driving along in your car, you're driving along down the road, you're aware of at least three things, probably more than these three things, but you're at least aware of three things, or you should be aware of these three things, where you are currently, your current location, you're also aware of where you're headed, what is in front of you, and, and thanks to our rearview mirror, we're also aware of what's behind us. And the same is true with life. In life, as we go through life, as we take our next steps by faith, as we walk along the road of life, we're aware of where we are, where we're going, and where we've been. Sometimes we look back at the things that we've done with gratitude, and we say, I am so glad that I did that. And other times we look back with regret. And this series is all about making decisions right now, in, in the present, so that in the future, we can look back at the past and say, I'm so glad that I did that. Having the wisdom to do things right now that we won't regret later, and not only that we won't regret later, but that we'll look back and we will be so glad that we did that. But that's not the only thing. That's not the only thing that we are considering when we consider, what should I do? What should my next step be? How should I live in this moment? What should I say? Where should I go? What path should I take? It's not just making decisions that we will be glad that we made later, but also what does God think of this discussion? What does God think of this decision? What does God think about this choice? When I think about that question, I think about a counseling session with a, with, with a couple that I had one time. This married couple, they had been married for several years. They had several kids. And the wife had recently been diagnosed with cancer. But her husband was leaving her for another woman. And he was determined, we're done. 
we're finished, I don't want to fix anything, I don't want to talk about anything, I don't want things to get better, I just want to have closure and I want to move on and do something else and be with someone else, I'm done with this marriage. And of course, the wife was completely heartbroken and wanted to fix the marriage, couldn't believe what was happening to her, both with her health and with her marriage. And, and, and we sat there and talked and finally I just stopped and I asked the husband and I said, do you consider yourself a follower of Jesus? Are you a Christian? Would you consider yourself a Christian? He wasn't a member at the congregation where I was preaching at the time, and so I really wasn't sure if he considered himself to be a Christian or not. And so I just wanted to know, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you believe in God? Do, do, you, do you want to do what Jesus tells you to do? Are you a follower of Jesus? And he said, Yes, which actually kind of surprised me a little bit, given the decisions that he was so determined to make. And he said, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then I said, well, then wait, what do you think God will think about your decision? Your wife has cancer, and yet you're going to leave her for someone else, and you're going to divorce her and have nothing more to do with her. What do you think God will say about that? And he thought for a second, and he said, I imagine he'll be pretty mad, but I'm still going to do it anyway. Now, that just kind of took me aback. But you know, that might be an extreme example, but, but I feel like if we're really honest, there's a lot of us that kind of fall into that category sometimes. I, I feel like sometimes, sometimes we, we, we might be a little too legalistic and, and, and worried, wanting to do everything right and dot every I and cross every T, but at other times we're like, eh, what difference does it make? We've all sinned, we've all messed up, we've all broken the rules, who cares, you know, it's bad, sin is bad, but God will forgive me, God is gracious, God is merciful, he might be mad for a little bit, but he'll get over it, and I'm just going to go ahead and do what I want to do. If we're honest, there's a lot of people, maybe there's a lot of us that have had or that do have that attitude. We look down the road and we know where I'm going and what I'm about to do is probably wrong. It's probably sinful, and I probably shouldn't do it, and God is probably not going to like the fact that I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I hope God will forgive me. Haven't we had that attitude? Aren't there a lot of us that struggle with whether or not that should be our attitude? And so this morning's question is, what's the big deal with sin? Why is sin a big deal? What should stop me from sinning? If God is a gracious God, if we really are under God's grace and mercy and forgiveness, if God is merciful and forgiving, then what should stop me from just go ahead and do what I feel like doing in the moment? Why should I not do what I feel like doing? Why should I not just say, well, it's bad and I probably shouldn't, but God will forgive me. What's to stop me from doing that? And I think Paul's words in Romans chapter 6 are incredibly helpful when it comes to this question. So let's look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 15. He says, what then? He's talking about grace, talking about being justified by faith in Jesus and he says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not, not under law, but under grace? That's the question, isn't it? And of course, Paul's dealing with, 
he's dealing with Jewish followers of Jesus and Gentile followers of Jesus. And I'm confident that the Jewish followers of Jesus were pretty demanding. Hey, hey, Paul, I don't really like this message about we're not under the law of Moses anymore. You can't go around saying that. You can't go around telling these Gentiles that they're not under the law of Moses. What's going to keep them from sinning? Are they supposed to just go on sinning? So you're saying it doesn't matter, we can do whatever we want? And so people were accusing Paul of saying that they could just go on sinning because now we're not under the law of Moses, but we're under the grace of God. And so Paul asked the question rhetorically, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And then, of course, the answer is by no means. By no means, no way. And this is exactly the same sort of question that he answered in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Can we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Or should we go on sinning because we're not under the law, but under grace? He says, by no means. But how? How will grace govern this new family of God? How will grace govern the family of God, this multi-ethnic, multinational, multilingual multicultural family of God that all comes from different backgrounds. Some came from the background of strict adherence to the law of Moses, and others came from a pagan, idol-worshiping background, and now in Jesus, they're all part of one family. And if they're not governed by the law, how are they going to be governed by God's grace? And that's exactly what Paul is answering. Look at verse 16. He says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul says you've got two options. You've got two choices. Because Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death, because Jesus has set you free from slavery to sin, you have a choice. You can present yourself either to sin or to obedience, but it's binary. It's one or the other, right? It's one or the other. There's not a third option and there's no middle ground. You either present yourself to sin to say, okay, I'm going to indulge and do what I feel like doing, do what my flesh wants to do, or you present yourself to obedience. You present yourself as a slave to Obedience. And look at where he says these roads lead, right? This slavery, this saying, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and sin and pleasure and rebellion. I'm yours. I'm just going to indulge whatever I feel like doing. Or obedience that says, I'm your servant. I'm here to do your will. Both of those lead to something right? Both of those have a destination. Both of those are going somewhere. When you choose, this is the one to whom I will present myself as a slave, you have to recognize where that road is heading. And he says that slavery to sin leads to what? Death. Slavery to sin leads to death. But slavery to obedience leads to righteousness leads to righteousness by presenting ourselves 
in obedience to say, I want to do that which pleases God. It leads to righteousness. Now, righteousness can mean a couple of different things. Sometimes it means right behavior, and sometimes it means a right standing, a right covenant relationship with God. And I think it means both. When you determine, when you, as Bentley said in the communion focus, when you resolve When you resolve to commit yourself, to surrender yourself, to give yourself as a slave to obedience, then it results in righteousness. Now now notice he doesn't say that obedience makes you righteous. He says that presenting yourself as a slave of obedience leads to righteousness. When you trust in the Lord and and you surrender yourself to obey him, the result is you're in a right relationship with him. That's what faith is all about, isn't it? That's what faith is. Faith is allegiance. Faith is loyalty. Faith is trust. Faith is resolve. Faith is presenting yourself as a slave. But Paul says, make no mistake, because we have ourselves fooled, don't we? We have ourselves fooled into thinking that we can choose not to be a slave of anyone. And Paul says, that's not a choice. You don't have the choice of not being a slave. The choice is, to whom will you present yourself as a slave? And when you present yourself to Jesus as his obedient servant, to say, I'm yours, because of what you've done for me, because of the gift you've given me, because of the sacrifice you've made, I present myself to you as an obedient servant. Do with me as you will. Then he puts us in a right standing with him. Look at verse 17. But thanks be to God. Again, all of this flows from gratitude. This is how grace governs behavior. Because grace makes us grateful. And out of gratitude, this is how we live. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the what? From the heart. This was your choice. When you were, earlier in chapter 6, baptized into Christ, buried with him in baptism, that was your choice You became obedient from the heart. Nobody made you become a slave of Jesus. That's why when I asked that husband who was determined to leave his wife, are you a follower of Jesus? It's your choice. It was his choice whether or not to be a follower of Jesus. So you can't say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm going to continue in sin. It doesn't work that way. It's one or the other. You're either a slave of Jesus or you're a slave to sin, but you can't can't be a slave to, to both. And it's your choice. Nobody's forcing you here. Nobody's forcing you to be a slave of Jesus, to present yourself in obedience to him. But Paul says, thanks be to God that even though at one time you were slaves to sin, you've become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I love that. You have become slaves of righteousness. That is your identity. 
That is your identity. I am a slave of righteousness. That is who I am. What if, what if we change our perspective? And we said, you know what, the, the choice has already been made. So many times we say, well, I came to a fork in the road and it was just so hard to decide which direction to go. Wait, if you're a follower of Jesus, then your direction has already been decided. Who are you? I am a slave of righteousness to do what is pleasing to God, to do what is right, to do what is faithful to him. Why? Because thanks be to God, even though I used to be a slave to sin, he set me free. And I chose. I became obedient from the heart to this standard of teaching. And so now I'm a slave of righteousness. So when we come to that fork in the road, the choice has already been made. You're a slave of doing what is right. Not because somebody is forcing you to do what is right, but because from the heart you said, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. When, when I married my wife, I chose out of love to bind myself to her. And so there are no forks in the road. Do I love my wife or do I not love my wife today? Do I do what's faithful to my wife today or I don't do what's faithful? <laughs> the choice has already been made. I already made the decision to bind myself to her. And when you became a follower of Jesus and you were baptized into Jesus, you bound yourself to Jesus and became a slave of righteousness. Not because of the law of Moses, but because of the grace of God. Do we see how the grace of God governs us and out of gratitude for God's grace, from our heart we become obedient servants, obedient slaves. This is our identity, to be slaves of righteousness. Look at verse 19. He says, I'm speaking in human terms. In other words, I'm using this metaphor about slavery because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. And again, think about it this way. He, he, he breaks it down. The members, like your fingers and your eyes and your feet and your mouth and your emotions and your will and your thoughts, just as one time you presented those, you presented those as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, and it led to more and more and more and more lawlessness. And we've all done that, haven't we? We've all used our hands and our eyes and our feet and our mind and our heart and our whole self in ways that we, we just gave it up, surrendered it. And what was the result? When we look in the rearview mirror and we say, how did that work out for you? How did that work out for you? How did that work out for me? When I think back to my life, when I think back to those moments where I presented the members of my body as slaves to impurity, and I look at the, the carnage, the destruction that is in the wake of the choices that I made. Paul says, this is, the, this is the result. This is what happens. It leads to more lawlessness. 
He says, just as you used to present your members as slaves to impurity, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to, here's a great word, sanctification. So at first he says, present your bodies as slaves to obedience, and that leads to righteousness. And now he says, present them as slaves to righteousness, and it leads to sanctification. You know what sanctification is? It it means to be made holy. And holy, not just like in some religious sense, like some ethereal type of an idea, but something very real, tangible, that is useful in the service of God. Something that is sanctified is something that has been made distinct so that it can be used in God's service. And when you offer yourself in obedience to say, I'm a slave to do what's right, I'm a slave to do what is pleasing to my Father in heaven. Then you become useful. You become sanctified in the service of God. Look at verse 20. He says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You didn't have to do what was right because you were a slave of sin, right? So you were not compelled to do what was right. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which You're now ashamed. Wow, that's a great question, isn't it? Think back to your sin, any sin. Think back to any sin that you've committed. Look in the rearview mirror, as it were, and ask yourself, what did I gain from that? What what was the reward for that? What benefit was it to do that? And he says, the result is just shame. Shame, shame, shame. But we have this tendency, don't we, to look back with regret and then stay on the same road. Church, listen, if you don't like what you see in your rearview mirror, then pick a different road, right? Because where you are now is going to end up in your rearview mirror if you don't change paths. Why do we do that? Why do we say, and? I really regret what I did. I shouldn't have done that. And then we go forward and make the same kind of mistake again. Paul says, what fruit were you getting when you did those things of which you're now ashamed? You're ashamed of those things now. Why would you go back to that? Why would you keep doing that? Why would you stay on that same road? And he says, for the end of those things, for the end of those things is death. Death. Is that what you want? To die and experience, as the book of Revelation puts it, the second death? Is that what you want? If it is, if that's what you want to experience and the age to come is death, then just stay on that road and just present the members of your body as slaves to sin and impurity and lawlessness. But that's not what any of us want, is it? What is it going to cause us to pick a different road? What isn't the law of Moses? But it is the grace of God who sets us free and allows us to pick a different road, pick a different path. The things that are in your rearview mirror don't have to be in your windshield. If you don't like the things you see in your rearview mirror, then choose a different path. Choose a different road. Look at verse 22. He says, But now that you have been set free from sin 
and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. That's what you want, isn't it? That's what you want in the age to come, is to live, is to be resurrected with an immortal and imperishable and undefiled body and live together with God and all of his people forever. That's what you want. That's what I want. That's what we all want. And Paul says, if that's what you want, then present yourself as a slave to God. The choice has already been made. The decision, the the die has already been cast. I've already bound myself to God. And it, it creates an incredible amount of freedom, an incredible peace, an incredible joy. Because then when you come to a fork in the road, you don't have to sit there and mull it over. The decision has already been made. Be faithful, don't be faithful. I've already made that choice. I'm going to be faithful. Right? This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus is to say, I am God's servant. I am God's slave. Not because he forced me to be, but because I presented myself to him. By his grace, he set me free from sin. And and I presented myself as a slave to God. And it leads to sanctification, to being holy, to being useful to God so that he can use us in his service and in the end, eternal life. Now, Now, again, pay attention to verse 23. Because on the one hand, we don't want to get the idea that in order to have eternal life, you need to earn it. Because that's not what Paul's talking about. Because he says, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. Did you catch that word, the, the what of sin? The wages of sin. Death is a wage that the sinful earn, right? A wage is something that you earn. Death is a wage the sinful earn. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death is a wage the sinful earn. Life is a gift that God gives through Jesus. Death is something you can earn. Life is something that only God can give. And he gives it to those that he sets free from sin. And they present themselves to God as obedient servants to say, Because I am so grateful to you, I want to do what pleases you. All of these are the reasons why sin is such a big deal. You say, yeah, I I thought God was a forgiving God. I thought God was a grace-filled God, a gracious God, a merciful God. He is. And that's why you have to get off that road of sin and death. He's given you the choice to pick a different path. A path that leads to life. But you can't be on the road that leads to life and the road that leads to sin and death at the same time. you got to choose to whom you will be a slave. You're free. You're free. If you've been baptized into Jesus, you're free. But not free to do whatever you want without consequence. You're free to decide whose slave you will be. You are free to decide whose slave you'll be. It's your choice. Nobody's forcing you. Nobody's forcing you to make a decision. It's your choice. But you have to decide. There there is no middle ground. It's one or the other. Either you decide right now, I'm going to present myself as a slave to sin. Or I'm going to present myself as a slave to God. 
And the end of that road is righteousness and sanctification and eternal life. Not because you earn it, but because God gives it as a free gift to all those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's your choice. Be on the road that leads to death or be on the road that leads to life. You are free to choose whose servant you will be. And we encourage you, I encourage you, I plead with you, choose to present yourself as a slave to obedience, a slave to righteousness, a slave to God, because the end is righteousness and sanctification and eternal life. Those are the gifts that God gives to all those who are in Christ Jesus.